You're listening to a message provided by Antioch Bible Baptist Church in Gladstone, Missouri. We intend this to be a helpful resource to you as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. This is intended especially for those who are unable to attend our worship gatherings and therefore were unable to hear the teaching of God's Word. This should not replace your gathering with our church as a member. If you're checking us out for the first time and are looking for a church to visit, we hope that you enjoy this content and that it impacts you personally. Thanks for listening. Thinking back to when you were a kid, what are the memories that come to mind first? Is it waking up to the sound of breakfast being made in the kitchen? The smell of fresh bacon on the stove? The sweet taste of your favorite cereal? Or maybe it's simply that feeling of being hugged by someone you love before leaving for school. While you can connect with some of these things, for the children we serve, all of these memories are nothing but a fantasy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Here at Mana Worldwide, we want to give you the opportunity to share the gospel in a way that transforms people spiritually and physically for a lifetime. Mana started with the simple idea that by serving people in the way that Christ did, we can build trust and relationships to share the truth of His Word much more effectively. Needs are different for every child, which is why projects look different in communities all over the world. We work with churches and individuals like you to battle the global giants of hunger, disease, homelessness, and spiritual emptiness. We do this by starting churches, nutrition centers, medical clinics, family homes, orphanages, clean water wells, youth camps, and schools. The beautiful thing about partnering with us is that we bring your church together with local churches and missionaries overseas. Every MANA project is connected to a local church or missionary so that we can come alongside to help reach their communities. We want to help the church fulfill its mission to bring the gospel into all nations. And we do that by rescuing children from the grip of poverty. We're MANA Worldwide, and we would love to help you make your eternal impact in the world today. Well, Steve and Shelley, it's great to have you here and a part of our conference. To start, I'd like our church just to get to know you a little bit. Um, so we'd love to hear your story, your family story, your salvation story. Sure. Your, I know your path to Mana Worldwide has been quite a path. So I'd love to hear you both share that. Uh, just leading up to what brings us to this moment. So Shelley, why don't you start okay. and you, you can begin the journey here. Well, my name is Shelley Switzer and I grew up in Illinois. Um, I was saved at the age of 13. My parents had me in church at the age of 14. I surrendered my life to full-time ministry and I actually went to BBC as a missions major um, where I met Steve, who's from Kansas, and we were married. We've served... <laughs> Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Can we clap for that or what? <laughs> I like these guys. You doubled, you just doubled your support. Absolutely. That's impressive. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so we got married and God led us into full-time ministry. Um, 
And it's been a journey. It yeah. really has been a journey. We actually have three children. People ask all the time, do you have kids? Yes, you know one of them. <laughs> Our oldest daughter and her husband, he is the student pastor. She leads worship at Hallmark Baptist in Fort Worth. Our son and his wife actually live in San Pedro Sula, uh, Honduras. And our youngest daughter and son-in-law live right here and go to Antioch, Michaela and Garrett Walker, with the cutest grandson ever, Carter. Uh, so yeah, that's our Bias. family. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, right? So as she said, my name is Steve and I'm a Kansas boy, grew up in Wichita and uh, actually straight away to the East Coast for a while, but I, I'm back in the Midwest area, so it's good to be back here. Um, I, I was grew up in a church in Wichita in which I, I heard the gospel all my life. My parents kept me in church, and as a boy of about eight years old, I, I recognized that, that I needed Christ, and I came to, to salvation through him, and it was almost immediate. It just seemed like the Lord had put a, a burden on my heart that this was the path he had for me was, was ministry. Went to Baptist Bible College, graduated with a missions degree, and Shelly and I both had missions on our heart for, from the very beginning, uh, but the, the Lord led us a path. We were pastoring for uh, over 35 years, and it just every missions conference we came to, we would say, Lord, is this the year? Is this, are you going to open this door? And it just, uh, the Lord never seemed to open that path for us until about four or five years ago, the Lord began to show us that uh, you're ready for missions, and we thought, well, we're a little late for that, aren't we? You know? We kind of thought we're a little, little too old for that. It, it, that was our impression, but the Lord continued to work. And uh, we've been a part of manna from the other side f f since it began in 2002. We've been on trips. I've been on the board, all those things. But as the Lord began to open that vision to us, we saw this is, this is what God has for us. So we've, we're some of the newest missionaries. We mm. don't look new. I get that. But we are <laughs> some of the newest missionaries with manna. We've hey, been speak now. speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't look as new, I, I, I will have to personally, but uh, for about a year now, we've been uh, working with MANA, becoming a, a, as far as being missionaries and working with uh, the continent of Africa. Yeah, so. so tell us then, you know, you mentioned MANA and, Sir. you know, in, internally we know what MANA is, but some of us to hear that, we hear just feeding kids, like sure. tell us, I mean, it's so much more than that. Absolutely. And so tell us a little bit about MANA and what it means for you. So tell us about MANA and then what it means for you to be the directors of Africa. What, what does that look like? Well, Both I'll start. Uh, MANA is, uh, as the, on the, the video you saw, there, our, our motto is rescuing children from the grip of poverty. But I think all of us in this room realize that poverty is more than uh, being without food and being without uh, resources. It truly is a spiritual poverty. And so our goal is to, to see people around the world come to know Jesus Christ and to share the gospel. But we, we do so, as our, our director often says, Bruce, he says, sometimes it's hard for people to hear the gospel if their stomachs are growling too loud. Mm. And so we, we meet physical needs and we come alongside churches. And that's probably one of the key elements of manna is that we, we don't start a work. We don't have a feeding center. Nutrition centers is our, is our centerpiece, but it's always around a church. We're either planting a church or it's a church in a foreign country that, that sees a need of meeting their, their needs of their people. And we come alongside them and help them. So there's always a church involved. So not only is the gospel presented, but then it's long-term. They're able to be discipled and grow through the church. That's a part of there. So we, we feed the children and we reach their families. And then we also are able then to see them grow to, to walk with, with Christ. 
and then a director. Yeah. Um, so when Bruce started this, it started with just five centers that he could control. Well, now we're in over 40 countries, and he could not keep track of everything. So they got directors, and we actually raise our support so mm. that when you give to a MANA project or to a MANA nutrition center, medical clinic, almost 92% of the funds go to that center um, because all the directors raise their own support so that the money can go to the children. But as directors, we travel back and forth and we work with the local missionaries and pastors and see how can we help you reach your community. And the nutrition centers, they're great ideas. I always put it this way. Have you especially, Steve, know that somebody comes and goes, I have a good idea, mm -hmm. which means he has to do the work. That's You're right. not going to yeah. help him. Mm -hmm. Well, at MANA, we have a great idea, and we're going to help you do this work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we go over and we work with them. We will come back and help raise the funds for them. We make sure that they are teaching the gospel. We go over and we will help them with that. And then personally, because we've been in ministry, uh, we work specifically with our missionaries and do retreats for them and help them physically and spiritually. Yeah, I think that's one of the strengths of MANA mm -hmm. uh, above other feeding organizations is that you guys tie in with local churches Absolutely. because I believe the local church is the hope of the world, right? That's Absolutely. how God designed in scripture. That's how it's designed to sure. work. And so I think that why I believe in MANA and I believe in guys like you mm -hmm. and gals like you is because of that it's always tied to a local church. Uh -huh. So it's not just a feeding center out there in the middle of nowhere, but it's tied to a local church's strengthening the local church's influence in the community. Absolutely. And so thank you for, for championing that. So you mentioned that you know, you, you were pastor for 30 plus years and right. how, how would you say God, and again, I know, you know, missions has been on your heart, but if somebody's sitting in the audience today and they're thinking, well, man, you know, missions has always been on my heart. How did God begin to develop you where it was like, this was the right time mm -hmm. for you to step out by faith and say, we're going to leave what's familiar 35 years or so of pastoring right. to step into this director's role and raise support and go down this path. And so that we could move into where we believe God was directing us. How would you say that journey came about for you? And again, I know it's always been there, it has been. but but when did you decide, okay, it's time to take that step of faith and say, we're going this direction? I, I guess the Lord brought us to a crossroads of, you know, we were in uh, pastoring in her home church mm -hmm. and it was, it was a very comfortable place and that's nothing wrong with that, but it was a place where we, we, we could see ourselves, you know, ending our, our ministry in that place, mm -hmm. you know, that would have been the, the place to come. And, and then there just began an unsettledness. It mm -hmm. was like, Yes, nothing wrong with that, but just the fact of um, I, I have prepared you for more. There's something that I have made you for, and so that just began a journey of prayer for us. Mm. And a, and that and it's been a journey of probably six, maybe seven years. Because when we first thought of this, the very thing that you mentioned, raising our own support, we've been doing this for that. All these things just seem to be that just doesn't make sense for us. Mm. And but the more we began to pray, God, uh, I'll, I'll let Shelley share the story. But God began to show that uh, He knows us and He knows who we are. And as he began to just unveil and say, are you willing to take this step? You said you were 30 years ago. Are you still willing today? And as, as we prayed through that and the Lord began to just confirm that, that this is the, the, the way, the direction that, that you want us to take. And 
So yes. we went on a missions trip in 2018 Absolutely. with Mana, and the director there mentioned, you guys would be great at this job. And I was like, no. And um, <laughs> so, but that started in his life, and actually God had started working in my life. Mm-hmm. And a verse that he used was John 10, 27, that says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I was like, yeah, I know I'm your sheep. I've been mm-hmm. doing this since I was 13 years old. The middle part's what got me, though. Mm -hmm. And I know them, and they follow me. And so as we began praying, there's a lot of little stories I could tell in there, but for time's sake, I won't. The one day, I was like, okay, we really need to pray about this. And that middle part, and I know you. And it was like this light bulb came on, and God's like, I know how old you are. Mm -hmm. I know what you're afraid of. I know what you can and cannot do. My question is, will you follow me? Will you trust me when I say take a detour, and it doesn't say it on the GPS? (laughs) This was not in the plan, and God's saying detour, detour. And I realized I had gotten very comfortable with God, and he was asking me for more, and so I had a response. He knew me, was I going to follow him? And in that moment, we prayed and said, I think this is what we're going to do. And so in 2021, we joined Manna. Yeah. Well, thank you for being obedient to God's direction in your life. So one of the things I love about being a part of our church family is they're generous um, above and beyond even what they would commit to. They give generously. What would be a story that you could share with them that I know, Steve, you just got back recently um, from Africa. What would be a story that you could share with them that just reminds them about why it's important to be generous and why it matters that we on this side of the world continue to give our resources to advance the gospel on that side of the world? The trip that I just came off of, I was able to see three different African countries, Togo, Ethiopia, and Kenya, and several centers in there, just meeting the missionaries and so forth. But everywhere I went, I'd come back that night just reminded of exactly not only what God had called us, but the, the effects of this generosity. And uh, Togo is a very primitive place. You maybe never even heard of it, just a little sliver of a country. But it's our newest center in 2022, actually began. And and when we, we showed up at this, it, it, when I say primitive, their feeding center is a roof, not even yet a, a concrete floor. We're still, that's still in the process. But as we gathered, 110 children gathered on that place, women and, and others, that their family were kind of watching to see what was going to happen as a couple of Americans showed up and we're sharing the gospel. But these children stood up in front of us and they had an interpreter, obviously, they speak French. But these children, then after the eight, they stood up and they began to do something that I, it looked really familiar. And maybe you've seen it, maybe on a bracelet or a book. They, they do the gospel colors, you know, as far as black is for sin, red is the blood of Christ. Maybe you've seen that. These children began to stand up and they told the gospel story. They had accepted it and now they're learning how to share it with, with their neighbors. and their fr- We're talking the middle of no, literally nowhere and yet they're taking the same gospel that I was shared when I was eight years old and they're now sharing it with their friends and family. And that's what this is all about. That Amen. is sharing not only the gospel but it's now, it's, it's multiplying because they're now taking the gospel to their, mm-hmm. their friends. And that just, I'll never forget that, that yeah. illustration. 
Yeah, that's great. Well, Shelly, would you give us one thing, and we'll close our time, and Steve, you'll preach to us, but can you give us one thing that we can pray for you about? We, we desire to be a praying church mm. um, that just doesn't talk about praying, but actually prays. And so would you give us one way that we as a church can be faithful to pray for you as we support you, not only financially, but spiritually? Um, so right now, uh, I've been having some health issues, as you can notice. I would have loved to told you a lion was chasing me and I fell. Um, that is not the case. Um, I actually got very sick uh, back in March, and of all things, COVID attacked my optic nerve in my right eye. And so I can't really see out of my right eye. We have ran all the tests. The doctors have no answers, and they're like, it may just take time. And so I'm trusting God with this, but I ask you to pray for my patients. Um, sure. If this is what it's supposed to be, help me to accept that. Um, and how can God use that? Um, yep. So that would be my one right now. Sure. Let's, let's pray, church, for her right now. Father, thank you for Shelly and um, Steve. Thank you for their obedience to you. And when it wouldn't have been easier in their life to just pull back, stay at Shelly's home church, sort of coast across the finish line, they've chosen, Lord, to continue to listen for your voice through your word and be faithful to be obedient to the direction you've given for their lives. And so thank you, Lord, for their example to us. We do pray for Shelly's eye, and we ask that you would bring back her eyesight. That would be our bold request, that you would just bring it back. I pray that as she is learning how to function with that for right now, we pray that you would give her patience and perseverance. I pray for Steve as he loves his wife well through this time, that you would give him the wisdom to know how to love her well and, and live with her in an understanding way as they navigate uh, these uh, different waters. So we thank you, Lord, for their ministry. And we pray that you would continue to uh, spread their influence in Africa through these churches and manna feeding centers that the gospel can could continue to be replicated, as Steve just mentioned, that in Togo and in Kenya and in Ethiopia, that the gospel would continue to spread from there to other African countries through these, this ministry in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, good morning, Antioch. It's great to be here today. And uh, we have literally been looking forward to this weekend for, well, ever since Steve invited us to come. It's been a, uh, a joy to, to be in your church, visiting our family and just worshiping with you. But now to stand in this place and share what God has done is such a, such a tremendous opportunity. So thank you for letting us be here. Thank you for being a praying church. I, I can sense the fact we've had cards and even some emails of people praying for us. And so I know that's true. So this, is, this whole week has been bathed in prayer over and over and it continues to be. So I, I'm so grateful for that. This morning is an opportunity to kind of uh, kick this off, if you would, for this particular weekend. Um, I, I have the word that I want to share with you, but I'm also going to introduce you to some friends that I've met uh, specifically in the last couple of weeks, uh, some trips that we've taken, and there's going to be some great faces and some, some stories that we're, uh, we work in. There's 54 countries in Africa. We work in nine of those countries, and there's about uh, 30 plus works, depending on uh, how you look, schools and tradition centers there. So I'm getting to meet the, the children and the, the workers, the, the ministers, and so forth. So let me show you, first of all, one of my favorite pictures that, I've ever, that I have on this. No, no, if you go back, you'll see that there's a difference there. 
beautiful picture, but until you focus your attention, you don't get to see that next picture, those four smiling faces. So when you go to that next picture, all it took was a little focus of the eyes, a little change of the vision. And that's what I think we're going to do this morning. And even as we get into this missions and next week you lead up to your faith promise commitments is just the idea of looking, every one of us in this room have some degree of vision correction that happens from time to time. Some of us live with these, these articles on our heads. Some of us, if you go to the doctor, the, the eye doctor, you've been in that machine that they take and they click and they say, is it better one or two? Is it better A or B? Is it better C or D? And you're, you're giving, what, the point is you're trying to focus to get your, your eyesight to the best that we can possibly get it to. And that's what I want us to do today. And with that in mind, I'm going to take us to the book of John. And I, I'm pretty sure most of you are familiar with this. The book of John chapter 4. And I'm reminded of a verse that Jesus gave us, uh, his words, and I know that, that you're familiar with these words. I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us have heard them, but he said very simply, and I know I'm pulling a verse out and we're going to get back to it, but he simply says this, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look what he says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. That little phrase, look, lift up your eyes and see the fields. It literally, and some of the translations say it, very literally you could say, open your eyes. Now his, his point was a, 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 not that they, they, weren't, that they had their eyes closed necessarily. It wasn't that, that they had bad vision. It was about that they could be looking and they're, they're looking at, it's not necessarily an eyesight issue, it's a vision problem. Their, their eyes are working fine, but their vision is not seeing what God wants them to see. And I think in mission, sometimes we have to, uh, specifically, we have to, every once in a while, just allow God to refocus our, our eyesight, get us to see things, to, to, as he says, to lift up our eyes and see. Because all of us know, whether we have correction vision or not, that every once in a while we have vision issues, right? For, for instance, sometimes we, we see things, but we, we don't see them. They're right in front of us, and we may miss some of the obvious things. I know most husbands in this room will identify as I begin to tell this story. My wife will tell me the most horrible thing. She'll say, would you go to the refrigerator and get the mayonnaise? You wives are laughing because you know exactly what happens. I open the refrigerator door, and I say, there's no mayonnaise in this refrigerator. It does not exist. I saw you buy it, but it's gone. It's not there. And she'll push me aside and write, it was not there. I swear it was not there on that shelf. And she's able to find it because there are times when things are right, obvious in front of our face and we miss them. Or maybe there's some details. We're just, our, our brains are scattered and we're seeing the things around us, but we're missing the, just the details. You know, it's like, yes, I, I, I hear you. I see you. But did you see really what it, it's not an eyesight issue it's a matter that we're, our eyes are working fine, but we're missing what's right there in front of us. I think in Jesus' perspective here, it's, it's not even just the details. It's you're missing a bigger picture. And as a church, we have to consistently remind ourselves that there's something bigger than just what we do in this room or what we do on Sunday mornings or what we do in our groups. This is important, but there is a world out there that God wants us to see that there's, there, there, there are people in need. There are those who, that, that he has called us to share the gospel with. It's, a, it's seeing the bigger picture, seeing the fields, as Jesus said, seeing the, the larger picture of what he has called us here to do, to be involved in the lives 
of people opening our eyes. So that's kind of what we get to do at a missions conference is we get to get to, to put that machine of the scriptures on our minds and begin to, to refocus his attention. Here's what I found, that there are certain things that maybe hinder my spiritual vision. Maybe it's just I'm distracted. I've got so many things going on. Anybody relate to that? You just, you're busy, you're running, you're moving, and, and you just miss some of the things that are right in front of you. It happens, Right? Maybe it's because you, you, there, there are times that, that I am just so self-absorbed. I've got all my issues and my problems and I've got my stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing those that are around me. I, that, that happens sometimes. I, to be honest, sometimes it's because I, I, as I look, I'm almost, I get overwhelmed sometimes, you know. When you look at the world around us and there's issues and, and you see the needs and you, you, they're beautiful faces, but you see how the, the need's too big. And I, there's, what can I do? There, it, it's, it, 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 there's nothing really, like an impact. And so sometimes your kids have done this. They put their hands over their eyes because if I, if I can't see you or I can't see the problem, then it doesn't exist, right? It's not there. So I almost want to cover my eyes because it's just too big. Or maybe we've gone through a season and, and we all know we're still kind of coming out of a, a very weird season in our country, in our world, and, and the, the things that have happened with COVID and all the stuff, and we come down and, and things, things have been just so different and so changed. And it's like, I just, I, I'm, I can't, my eyes just will not focus. So this morning, my prayer is that God allows us to refocus to just get started again, to see, to lift up our eyes, to see ahead of us what he has in mind. We're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to see what God sees. We're going to see as what God sees, what God is doing around us. And ultimately, I want us to see what God can do when we're willing to let him work through our lives. Open your eyes and see what God wants you to see. Let's, let's start right there. We'll go back to our story Obviously, we're right in the middle of a very familiar, very important story in Scripture. And we're going to start with that very phrase. I want to open our eyes and see what God sees when he sees people. If you're not familiar with this story, let me give you the background or just kind of remind you this, this morning. John chapter 4, Jesus makes a purposeful trip through a, Samar a Samaritan area of the country on his, on his journey with his disciples. And his disciples go into town to buy lunch and he sets at a well and a woman comes to that well and they have this incredible conversation. And in this conversation, uh, first of all, she's surprised he's talking to her because obviously she's perhaps has a reputation of something of ill repute being there at the time of day she was. She has this conversation and through the conversation, he reveals to her that he, who he is and reveals what she has done. And she begins to recognize that this man, he must be some religious teacher. But before we get to the, to the end of what we, we find about her, she finally says, and you're back in John chapter four, she finally says, I believe, he says, are you the Messiah? And he says, when he comes, she sa he says to her in verse 26, the one that speaks to you, that's me. I am he. I am the Messiah. She's coming to that understanding of who he is. Well, that changes everything for her. At that point, she runs back into town. In fact, the Bible tells us she leaves her water pots. The very reason she was there, she now, she leaves them there and goes to tell everyone what she's experienced. But verse number 27, we, Jesus had spoken the words that we read to his disciples. But verse 27, the disciples come back after trying to get lunch. And the Bible says they marveled that he was talking with a woman. 
They marveled. They, they were surprised. They were shocked, maybe even a little bit confused why he would be talking to a woman. That was not something a, a typical, you know, a, a good Jewish man would do, but especially this woman at this time of day. And, and they, they're hearing, they're, they're just missing. In fact, they say, Rabbi, eat. It's time to eat. I've got your, your hamburger here. Let's, let's eat. And he says, but I've had food that you don't know of. And they said, did someone bring him something to eat? And he said, my work, my food is to do the will of the one who has sent me. Here, when Jesus says later, open your eyes and see the fields, one of the things that I know we have to remind ourselves is just to see people the way God sees people. If you remember back in Matthew 9, 36, it says of Jesus that when he saw the crowds, and there was, there was all kinds of people in those crowds, is that passion, but he says when Jesus saw them, he was moved with compassion because he said they are harassed, they're helpless, they need help, they're like sheep without a shepherd. When he sees people, he sees the needs of people, he sees what, the, what his, his word, what his truth, what he and his father can do for their lives, that's how he sees people. Let me ask you this morning, when you see people, and we're talking people that you go to work with, people that you're, you live next to, what do we see when we see people? Sometimes we see people where we're marvel. Why, why would I even bother with them? They're more of an interruption. They're more of a trouble than, than they're what is it? What is it that we see when we see people? Open our eyes and let God remind us to see people the way that he sees people. That's, that's what this missions thing is all about, is that we get this idea of the human race in a need of the gospel, in the need of Jesus Christ. And that's when, when we see people, do we see them the way that God sees people. Let me show you some faces of some, some friends of mine. This, this is a group of children in Katamba, which is a, a suburb of Nairobi, Kenya. And of course, the faces just grab your attention, right? These kids are just so excited. But in this group, and you see the sea of red, right? <laughs> kind of funny. This is their winter in, in Kenya, Africa. And it's a, it's, a, it's a chilly 75 degrees on this day, okay? That's their winter. And you notice they all have stocking caps. There were some kids in parkas. They thought it was freezing. My friend and I were like, whoa, this is great. Then you the shorts, right? They're in winter. But if you can't see the whole crowd, but there's over 350 children in this room who are going to hear, they're going to be taught their, their education. They're going to get a meal. They're going to be shared with the gospel. And they're making a difference in this community. And when we see them, do we, what do we see? We see beautiful faces, but do we see the hearts of the, the folks that need Christ and they and their families in this community? My, my question is, as we see the world, and our, our goal at this missions conference is just to let us refocus our attention to see what God sees, to see people the way that God sees people. Open our eyes, lift up our eyes and look at the fields and see what God sees. But I also want us to look at another thing as we talk about what does it mean to see, open your eyes and I want us to talk about seeing what God is doing with those people that he sees. Or seeing what God is doing right around your life. The opportunities that are right before you. You see, not only did those men, the disciples that were with Jesus, those who were following him. They, they, we don't know for sure, but it's very possible. And a lot of theologians believe that they would have walked right past that woman on the way into town. 
and maybe even bumped shoulders with her or maybe just gone around her because there, there was only one road to that well. And so it's very possible they, they saw her and just missed completely that there was anything going on. And then we get to this verse 30 where it says that she went back into the town, verse 29, and they, she said, come see a man who told me everything that ever I did. And verse 30 says, and they, the people that she told, went out of the town and were coming to him. I, I, I don't know if, you, if I can try to paint the picture of this object lesson that Jesus is painting. Because as Jesus is there at the well, he's, he's expressed himself. The woman, his life's changed. She goes back and tells others. Now the disciples are there kind of confused of all of this. And they're sitting at this well. And now all these people are beginning to come out of the town to the well, coming to them. And Jesus says, open your eyes and look, fellas. What we have is an object lesson right in front of them that as they're walking, it, the theologians painted the picture to me that made so much sense. And a lot of those men would have had like an off-white robe on as they're coming. So all these men are coming out of the city and they're coming to the well. And as they look across, literally the fields are white with the people coming to them as they're making their way to the well, as these crowds are coming. And he says, fellas, do you see it? Do you see right in front of you the opportunity? Do you see right in front of you what I'm doing? I changed this woman's life and now this, this woman's testimony is changing this community and they're coming to us. Do you see the opportunities right in front of you to do what I've called you to do, to do the work that I've made you to do? Open your eyes and see what is right there in front of you. Did, my question often has come back, did Jesus ever get a drink of water? I mean, that's what he went to the well for. Did he ever get a drink? I don't know. We don't ever see him taking a, drip, a sip of that. He, did he ever get to eat? I mean, he missed lunch completely. The point is, he saw the opportunity and he went to meet the needs of those in front of him. You know, followers of Christ, we've got to remember that God has not only called us to himself for salvation, but remember, he also gave us a commission. And that commission for us is to go into all the world, to make disciples of all nations to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's our calling as disciples. In fact, let me give you a, a picture here. Some kids in this screen, Vipingo, Africa. There's about 300 and some children that as you walk off the bus, they greet you with song. It's just a beautiful, it just kind of melts your heart, right? But we went into the chapel service with these, with these children we sat in a chapel service and their pastor, Pastor John, stands up and he does something on a regular basis. He stands up and does something I think you'll recognize. He'll say to this crowd, these 300 children, he'll say, God is good. And they respond, how do you think? All the time. And then he'll say, all the time. Well, now that's how we responded as Americans. But these 300 kids, all their voices and all their energy, God is good all the time. All the time, and when unison, these 300 kids said, I am a witness, yeah! 30 Americans just kind of begin to weep as we realize that they got something that sometimes we miss so simply, that God has saved me so that I can tell someone else about his goodness in my life, to be a witness of what God has done for me. Because there are opportunities. You don't have to go to Africa, folks, to see the opportunities God has for us. It's a great place and God is using it in, in our hearts. But let me just share with you that there, there are people right here in Kansas City who, who need to hear that Jesus is the one that saved you and how he did that. He, they need to hear about the change that he can bring in their life. They need to hear the gospel from us here around our country, around the world. We are witnesses to that fact. 
I, I, I shared earlier, and, and here's another picture, but I shared earlier about uh, Togo, Africa. Here's Pastor Daniel, and we're sitting in his feeding center, and see how, you see how primitive it is, and yet these children, as beautiful as they are, that's an opportunity that God is doing. This young man, uh, Pastor Daniel, has started five churches in that area, and in that, in, in that every service we went to is packed with people who are hearing the gospel, and they're changing, their lives are changing. We started a feeding center here. We're going to start another one in one of their other churches, and the whole goal is to reach their community. What an opportunity that God has to re and can I just remind you that God has put those opportunities right here in front of you as you support missions but it's also right around your neighborhood as you go to work and there's someone who's, whose life is, is shattered and you get to come alongside them and share the love of Christ and share the gospel of Jesus the opportunities before us will we open our eyes and see what God sees when he sees these people will we open our eyes and see the opportunities that he has put right in front of us and he's given us the opportunity through missions. To, here's the, one of the phrases I love to, to, to just think about. That do you realize Antioch, that the sun never sets on the ministry of Antioch Bible Baptist Church. Because when you pillow your head at night, there's some missionaries just getting up on the other side of the globe that are starting to share. And you, you have a part in that ministry. And you have the opportunity through missions to, to have a global and a 24-7-365 influence around the world as God uses you to take the opportunities to reach others for Jesus Christ. Do, open our eyes and see what God is doing, what God is doing around us, what God is doing, what he wants to do through us. And, and that's where I want us to, to kind of wrap up as we talk about opening our eyes to see what God can do through us. What God could do what he has already done, the amazing ministry that Antioch has already had in people's lives and will continue to have. And, his, and I, I heard, I read this week and Pastor Steve shared it last night, the, the goals, seven, seven years and the things that, and included in those goals are 500 baptisms here at Antioch. Phenomenal to see God change those lives. And the fact that $3 million sent to world missions over the next seven years and then sending out at least three pastors, missionaries from your church. Do you understand that's what God can and wants to do through Antioch. And as you get to this, get back to this story and you continue to read the very next verse after verse 35, where he said, open up your eyes and see the fields. He says, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and he's gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Do you understand? He says, we open your eyes and see the fields because God, if he sent you, he's already got the harvest prepared and you're just part of the work that he's called you. You've got the opportunity to be a part of something bigger than you've ever been. Imagine if you're just willing to do what God has called you to do. Think of the opportunity. Think of what God can do through your life and through Antioch and through what God has called us to do. I, I, this picture I put in this morning, we were talking about it earlier, and we talk about what God can do. And this is, it's a tree, right? It's a mango tree, and they're all over the country of Kenya. But this mango tree has significance in, in a lot of ways because 20 years ago, a young pastor from Kenya named Alan sat under this tree with one of our directors, Bruce, and another missionary, and they sat under this tree, and Alan began to just share the burden that God had put on his heart to reach Kenya, to reach that part of where he lived. He lives in the Mombasa area, and he said, I can see God making, uh, building churches and reaching people, and, and it all started as they sat under this, this tree. Well, what you can't see going on around now is 20 years later, on this very property, connected to this tree, is a, is a school where every day 350 children 
that you saw them earlier in the red, the kids from Bapingo, they, they, they learn every day, but they also hear the gospel every day. They're fed, 350 children. There's a church that is run there by Pastor John. There's a Bible college that is teaching the, uh, students to go across the world and, and around Kenya and even the world. And there's a rescue center that takes abandoned children. And it's all right there, 20 years later, right there in that property. But, but let me share what also happened. Just down the road, there's another center that has over 300 kids and they have a church and they're doing the same thing every day. And from that, there was another one just down the road, another 300 kids, and they all feed into a high school that has about 600 kids, and they, there's a church there. And when I was there two Sundays ago on this, in this church, they, they had a group of, of Muslims that come just to see what their kids, they, they don't believe in God yet, but they want their children to be fed, and they sent them, and they came on this special Sunday. And 17 of them came to know Jesus Christ on that Sunday morning. So do, you, do you see what we're saying, folks? Can we open our eyes and see what God can do? And it all started under a mango tree. It started under a tree when God gave a vision and began to show, and, and in 20 years, what God has done. And, and you also, you probably heard that phrase, mango tree coffee. That's where they got the idea from, was that story of the mango tree of what could God do bigger? And they begin to see how if we, everybody, well, not everybody, but a lot of people like coffee. So how can we take the love for coffee and the love for people and mix them? And so now they, they, we, we send people around the world because people drink coffee. So if you've got the addiction, you know, you could actually help with people around the world. It's a matter of what God can do to his people who are willing to do what he has called them to do. In fact, as you keep reading this story, verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the word. You see, the disciples, they weren't even planning to go there. Jesus said, we're going through this town and, and now many of them have believed. And you keep on reading down to verse 41, and many more believed because of his word, because of Jesus. They go to a town, they're just gonna pass through. Jesus stops for a drink at a well and before they leave, and, and they, this, this pass through stop ends up being several days. And before they leave, there's a community that's changed. There's a community that's different because of what one woman's life has changed and her testimony. And then the word of Jesus himself as they hear from them and before they leave, everything is different in that community than it was when they got there in the first place. That's what God can do through his people that God calls to use. And that would be us. As you talk about what, what is God doing in my life? What is God, do, I just want you to think, open your eyes and see how does he want you to see the people around you? Because it's going to be, going to be involved in that. How, what is God doing in the, in the lives of people around you? And what could God do with you if you're willing to give it all to him? If you're willing to surrender everything from your resources to your life, to your time, to your talents, to your story, to your testimony, just think what God can do. He's done it throughout history and he'll continue to do his work to his people who are surrendered to him. How, how will you be involved? One last set of pictures, a friend that I want you to meet. You're going to see as we unveil this and our eyes begin to focus, but let's start with the young man you can see. The little guy there is named Ashley. In that picture, he's about four or five years old. That's Pastor Allen, the one I mentioned you on, that had the vision for starting these, these works. And Pastor Allen, that's, that's the first day that Ashley's in the feeding center. His parents really don't want to have anything to do with God. They're, in fact, his dad's a, known as the town drunk and his mom is just adamant against uh, what, what they're teaching there, but they, they want their son to be fed and educated. And so they, they, they register him, they bring him to school, and this is his first day in the feeding center. 
Well, let's fast forward about 12 years. As the focus gets clearer, that man up on the right, that's Ashley's dad, who not only came to church and came to know Christ, he's now in the Bible Institute studying to be a pastor to teach others. The lady in the corner here with the hat on, that's Ashley's mother, who was adamant about never coming to church, but since then has not only come to know Christ, she now is one of the administrators in the high school that brings every day is teaching young ladies to come to know and to follow Jesus Christ. And in the far right corner is Ashley. Ashley, 12 years later, in last June, he graduated from high school, not only with an education, but he knows Jesus Christ and his goal is to go to the university and to share what he knows with others so that they can come to know Jesus Christ. That's what God can do when we simply are willing to let him use us the way he's called us to be used. So this morning, my prayer is that you will pray, God, sharpen my focus, open my eyes again. I, I, I've, I love the fact of everything that we're doing here this week, but just let God remind us of the people around us and how he wants us to see them, but also remind us of how he's working and what he's doing and the opportunities that are right in front of us. Don't miss those obvious opportunities. And then remember, when we do what God has called us to do, there is no limit to what God could do through your life when we follow to do what he's called us to do. This morning, would you bow your heads with me, please? I'd like us to take a moment in in prayer, and I, I want to pray for you. But I also want to give you a chance just to speak your own prayer to the Lord this morning. And maybe it's just simply that, God, just... As I start into this this missions weekend, help me to just to have eyes that are focused on what you want me to see. Help me to see what you want me to see this weekend. And then maybe as you go into your week this week, God, help me to, to go into my work, go into what I do with open eyes to see what you have for me. Just, Lord, I, I thank you that you love me and you, you sent your son to die for me. But there could even be someone in this room who like that young lady had the conversation with Jesus she came because she didn't, she didn't understand. She was just at the basically end of her rope of trying to find what she was looking for and Jesus met that need. There may be someone here that God has brought you here to hear that Jesus came to this earth and he gave his life on a cross dying for your sins and he is what you need. He is the water that would fill your soul. So this morning as I pray for you, I pray that you will be praying as well and whatever God has stirred upon your heart this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love and your mercy, your grace, your faithfulness that we've already sung about today. Thank you that through, through the this centuries before time began, you saw that there would be a people who need salvation and you put in plan, you put in place a plan to bring us to yourself. Thank you for Jesus who gave his life on the cross. Now, Lord, for those of us who know you and have received that gift, please sharpen our focus, open our eyes, help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to see the opportunities you're going to put before us, those divine appointments this week to share our faith. And Lord, also help us to see what you can do with us and through us now, through here and through missions around the world, if we'll just trivially let you use us. Lord, thank you. We love you. I pray that you'll continue to challenge and encourage this church. And I pray this in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening. You're always welcome at Antioch. If you desire more information, please go to AntiochBBC.org. That's AntiochBBC.org. God's best to you.